Did the New Orleans Saints strike gold in day two of the 2023 NFL Draft, or did they take the wrong running back? We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe and follow for free where on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, we appreciate you so much for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. You don't forget, of course, I am also, as always, your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson. NOLA on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media. You can find me over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation website covering the New Orleans Saints, senior writer and reporter there. You can find me every Tuesday on Locked On NFL and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked On Saints. For all you everydayers out there tuning in to the show, it is half past midnight and we're already rocking in the live chat for the live reaction to the day two selections for the New Orleans Saints and this live episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by friends over at Ultimate Pro Football GM. You ever dreamt of becoming an NFL GM or uh, running your own football franchise? Well, you can do that now by heading over to ultimate-gm.com today or searching Ultimate Pro Football GM in your app store. Don't forget that you can also use the promo code Locked On to get a 100% free boost to your franchise. Tell you a little bit more about them later on. But first on today's episode, what I want to go do is kind of walk through day two, look ahead to day three, all of that. We'll start off with, or we'll get to eventually whether or not the Saints are going to move up in day three, because they did not move up in day one or day two, although they did try in day two for sure. We'll also take a look at Isaiah Foskey's development and why he's further developed than previous defensive ends the Saints have invested in when it comes to the NFL draft. But I want to start off with the big question that everyone's asking. Did the New Orleans Saints take the right running back at 71? Now, I know that pick 71 comes after pick 40. So Ross, why aren't you starting with Isaiah Foskey and the conversation around him as the 40th overall selection? Because The big conversation is what I'm here to bring you. And I know what the big conversation is. I see you. I see you like that. Why did the New Orleans Saints choose Kendra over Tajay? Of course, the New Orleans Saints drafting at pick 71, a stick and pick where I thought they might trade up. Uh, They grabbed uh, uh, TCU running back Kendra Miller. They passed, though, in, in the process of doing so, on Tajay Spears, the running back from right here in their backyard, Played football in Uptown for Tulane, grew up right there in Ponchatoulas, like he was the homie here in New Orleans, so why would they pass on him? He ends up going 10 picks later at 81 to the Tennessee Titans, so he's got a great future ahead of him in the NFL, as we already knew, but now he gets to further develop it by learning from Derrick Henry, and of course, he'll come to the Superdome this year. So here is my thought on why the New Orleans Saints chose Kendra Miller, even though Tajay Spears was on the board. If you listen to what Dennis Allen told us after day two of the draft, one of the things that he highlighted was that the investment at the running back position 
is one that is not only about complementing Alvin Kamara, but also shifting and sort of limiting the usage of Alvin Kamara so that he doesn't have to be, or let's say relieving the usage of Alvin Kamara so that he doesn't have to be the bell cow back. And that's what happened to Alvin Kamara last year. You might remember if you were rocking with Locked on Saints, if you're an everydayer and you were here all throughout last season, I would continuously talk about the compact run chart for Tajay Spears, where instead of him getting outside of the tackles, he was running between the tackles so much, which has never really been the focus of Alvin Kamara's game, which isn't to say that he wasn't able to do that or be productive there, but that where he was most productive was utilizing him in space. And we got all the way into December with Saints coaches talking about how they needed to find more creative ways to get Alvin Kamara out in space. And that's a step that that's a, a May problem. That's a mini camp problem. It's an OTAs problem. That's a training camp problem. That is is not a December football problem that you should be having, right? But the Saints were in that situation because you look at the fact that that's the way that they had to utilize him because who else was really reliable for you and available for you at running back in 2023, in 2022? You had Mark Ingram for a little while, but you know how he was dealing with injuries all throughout. And then outside of that, you didn't have anything else. So when you look at where Kendra Miller fits in, and here's the thing that I will also say. I loved the idea of keeping Tajay Spears here in New Orleans. I did a whole plea. I started the 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 Tajay's keep Tajay and Nola, you know, movement on Twitter. Like I, I did all that, and I, I get all that. But what I will not sit here and do is say that Kendra Miller was a bad pick because he absolutely was not, and he absolutely is not. I had Tajay Spears as running back four, right behind, of course, Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, and Zach Charbonnet. And then I had Kendra Miller right there as running back five. And if we're being honest, the two of them probably could have been a little interchangeable, but I really did like Tajay Spears' game, especially as a receiver. And here's where I think the delineation happens for the Saints and their thinking versus what I thought. Now, I predicted Kendra Miller to the Saints, but I and my what would I do mock took Tajay Spears. Here's the difference. For the New Orleans Saints, they want somebody that's going to take the load off of Alvin Kamara. I was looking at the replacement for Alvin Kamara, the guy that can go out there and catch the passes, the guy that can go out there and run the routes. That's why I liked Jameer Gibbs, why I like Zach Charbonnet, why I like Tajay Spears. And I like Kendra Miller because I think he's got untapped potential in the passing game and as a pass blocker, 26 career catches in college because TCU doesn't throw to their running backs and Max Duggan was like balling out of control his last year. So he wasn't, he was looking this way. He wasn't looking back here. He was looking out there, right? So when I look at what the difference is between my thought process and the New Orleans Saints thought process is that the New Orleans Saints are looking for a player that's going to be able to come in and along with Jamal Williams, take some of the pressure off of Alvin Kamara and tote the rock, be the guys in between the tackles from tackle to tackle. But Kendra Miller also gives you a little bit of the versatility in terms of his ability as a pass catcher because it's there even though the statistics don't show it simply because he wasn't asked to do that. But 1,399 rushing yards his final year with TCU. He also, of course, had the 17 rushing touchdowns as well. And now he did have a right knee, I believe it was a right knee injury, right leg injury, we'll just call it for now, uh, that, a lot, that forced him to miss the national championship game. He didn't test at the combine. He wasn't able to test at his own pro day. So I asked Kendrick after he was drafted, when we got him on Zoom, hey, you didn't get to do the athletics testing. So what are some of the things that maybe people don't know about you because those numbers aren't out there that you want people to know about you? 
And one of the things that he said was that he's fast. He's really, really fast. And so if that's true, if that's true, and I think you can see that on tape, I think that translates on tape. You think about this guy that can run in between the tackles, but that also, and I believe he had like five, five plus yards after contact as well. He averaged over 6.7 yards per carry during his, or let's say over six yards per carry during his time at TCU. That is where you have the difference between the philosophy of the New Orleans Saints and the philosophy of Ross Jackson. All of the things that Kendra Miller checks the boxes for become why the New Orleans Saints drafted him to take the pressure off of Alvin Kamara and still utilize Alvin Kamara, what he does best, change of pace, satellite back, receiving guy. Those are all the things. I was looking at how do you replace Alvin Kamara for six games? How do you look at Alvin Kamara and say, what are we going to do two years down the road if you don't have him? The Saints, they probably want to answer that question in two years, answer that question. In a year, I would have rather have gotten ahead of that question, but I will not sit here today and say that Kendra Miller was a bad selection because he is not. He is absolutely not. He's a great selection for the New Orleans Saints, and we'll see how quickly he's able to get rolling or if he's somebody that develops over time and in the Saints roll through. With the way that the running back room and the way that the running back sort of run happened. Devin A. Shane came off the board. Taji Spears came off the board. Zach Charbonnet came off the board. Uh, and then, of course, you had uh, as well Kendra Miller coming off the board. He wasn't going to be there in round four, more than likely. So the Saints went up there and they got him and probably might have been looking to potentially trade up for him, uh, even though they waited for him over at 71. All right. I see a couple of folks I want to give shout outs to here in just a moment for coming through with the live show. Appreciate y'all. It's, it's, it's after midnight and we're we're, we're in triple digits. I appreciate y'all so much for being here. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at Isaiah Foskey, and I'm going to explain to you why he is further developed when it comes to the comparisons that he is going to get to previous New Orleans Saints defensive ends that they've invested in in the draft. We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. In today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends over at Ultimate Pro Football GM, the best mobile app and best mobile game created. You want to be an ultimate, you want to be an NFL GM, you want to manage your own football franchise, uh, manage the salary cap, you want to manage all the facilities, make changes, pick your scheme, draft players, sign players, release players, trade players, all of that. You could do all of it on your phone and the mobile app. Ultimate Pro Football GM that's entirely offline, entirely free to play. So you ain't got to pay nothing and you can play it on a plane. You can play it on a you can play it on a train, you can play it on a boat, you can play it in a moat. It doesn't matter. You can play it anywhere because it's offline and you don't have to worry about any timeouts or anything weird like that. Seriously, like it's a super dope game. Like really, like go and check it out. So you want to check it out today, you can find it at ultimate-gm.com. You can search Ultimate Pro Football GM in your app store as well. And you can get a 100% free boost to your franchise by using the promo code locked on in all caps as well. So make sure you go and check it out today. Start your dynasty today. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Appreciate you, as always, making us your first listen of the day every day. Maybe some of you are your last listen of the day, so I appreciate you very much for being here because it's after midnight. We're hanging out. We got a live show going over all of our day two selections. And of course, for you everydayers out there, we'll be back with you again tomorrow after day three. I'm not leaving you hanging. I don't care that it's Saturday. We out here. We rocking. We got this going. So we'll get to all of that as well. Uh, through that. So, oh, great question. Andrew Gutierrez here. Please let me know if I pronounce your, your last name correctly. I'm so sorry if I did not. Um, 
this is going to kick us off. Actually, this is great because this is exactly where we're headed. Here's the question from Andrew. Ross, why do you think the Saints passed on Keon White and BJ Ojolari for Isaiah Foskey? Here is why. A rare midnight breakfast. I love that. Here is why. Isaiah Foskey is further along in his development than any defensive end that the Saints have invested in in the recent past. And that includes Peyton Turner. That includes Marcus Davenport. That includes Al-Quadeen Muhammad. That includes Heoli Kakaha, if you want to go back that far. I don't care. I'll go back that far. Stop me. I dare you. (laughs) But when it comes to Isaiah Foskey, he checks all the boxes in terms of the prototype, which guys like Keon White, as well as Biggio Jalari do uh, also. The difference, though, is how far along and developed Isaiah Foskey is. Let me, I'm going to tell you right now, like out of those three, Isaiah Foskey, BJ Ojolari, interchangeable for me. You notice BJ Ojolari went off the board right after the Saints took Isaiah Foskey. Keon White eventually as well. But for me, Keon White is somebody that is far more underdeveloped, right? Far more underdeveloped has a lot that he has to continue to build on, coming from a small program, all that. You've got blue chip talent in Isaiah Foskey, You've or blue chip program that bred Isaiah Foskey, Notre Dame, blue chip program that bred uh, LSU Tiger, BJ Ojolari. So I, I put both of them there. But here's the other piece for me that factors in when it comes to, um, when it comes to uh, Isaiah Foskey. The, the guy was a team captain. Remember, on-field production, athletics testing, interviews, makeup, character. Those are the other things that the New Orleans Saints hold as pinnacle criterion when it comes to the players that they draft and the players that they invest in for their locker room, for their team, for their roster, all of those other things. And so for me, and I agree with James Conner here, I, I love that the Saints stayed away from the small school, I'm going to borrow the phrase, from the raw small school talent. Trademark James Conner. I agree with that. And I love that the Saints instead went to proven programs that they have shown to trust. They go out there and not only did they just get somebody from a proven program, y'all, they got the guy who is the all-time career sack leader. You dang right, I'm still up, Danny. We out here rocking. Um, They got the guy who's the all-time career sack leader from that proven program that has existed for more years then I have probably ever sat down and counted in one sitting, right? This guy, and you, and, and they do this with Notre Dame. They've done this twice in the last handful of years now. They drafted uh, Ian Book in the fourth round out of Notre Dame where he was the winningest quarterback to ever come from that program. Well, Isaiah Foskey plays at a premier position. He goes after your quarterback. He's far more proven and he's completely polished. He's got a diverse pass rush skill set that also comes with not only pass rush moves, but counter moves as well. He loves his long arm moves and his ability to be able to, to counter off of all of that. We spoke to his coach, Marcus Freeman. We spoke to his uh, to, to his defensive line coach at Notre Dame, Al Washington. And the thing that they will tell you over and over again is that he has a plan. And if you go back a few episodes a couple weeks ago, or not even a couple weeks ago, like a week ago, is that um, there was one of the things that I talked about was that he has a pass rush plan and he executes it and he has a diverse range of pass rushing moves. And now you're going to put him with Cam Jordan, who will help him develop even more of those pass rushing moves. So that's the thing that I like about Isaiah Foskey in particular. And if you think about the comparisons that you're going to get, of course, Kenneth, uh, you think about the the, the comparisons that he's going to get and Marcus Davenport's absolutely one of them. Let's break down why. 
because it's not unwarranted, particularly. I'm going to try to do something on the fly here, and I'm going to try to share something with y'all, and I'm sure this is going to go terribly, but it's okay. For those of you listening on audio after the fact, this is going to be just fine for you because it don't, it, it won't, it won't matter, but I'm going to see if I can do this so that I can show you something. The comparison, for those of you that are here live with me, the comparison when it comes to Isaiah Foskey and Marcus Davenport is absolutely wild. Bear with me. I don't know where this is going to show up. Okay, cool. That We can work with this. So this is the RAS score for both Isaiah Foskey and Marcus Davenport compared to one another. And I want to give a shout out to my friend Jeff Duncan, who I think was the first person to really like post this up on Twitter not too long ago. Look at these numbers. And let me, let me read you these numbers. 9.61 RAS score for Isaiah Foskey, 9.65 for Marcus Davenport. Isaiah Foskey comes in at six foot five. Marcus Davenport comes in at six foot five. Isaiah Foskey enters the NFL at 264 pounds. Marcus Davenport entered the NFL at 264 pounds. Bench reps, 22, 22. 40 yard dash, 4.58, 4.58. Splits, nearly identical. Vertical leap, Isaiah Foskey has Marcus Davenport beat by a half an inch, 34 versus 33 and a half. Broad jump, 10 foot five. Broad jump, 10 foot four. Shuttle 441, shuttle 441. Three cone 728, three cone 72. Marcus Davenport and Isaiah Foskey are incredibly similar to one another in terms of their athletic testing, their build, their mold, their stature, those things. But the difference between the two of these players are, or is, sorry, grammar. The difference between these two players is the pass rushing plan, the pass rushing moves, the development that's already there. And one of the other things that I want to point out, Isaiah Foskey, six fumbles forced back in 2021, contact fumbles going after the ball, the mentality of I'm not just going to make a tackle, I'm going to make a play. I'm going to change possession. That is something that the New Orleans Saints have preached over and over and over again. Something that Cam Jordan has said that he wants that defensive line and the defense as a whole to get better at. Pete Werner, the top down punches, all the things that he does so incredibly well. By the way, also coached by a guy, Al Washington, who coached Isaiah Foskey. You look at where Isaiah Foskey is as a pass rusher. You consider too where he is as a pretty polished run stopper. Maybe can take a couple of steps there, but in terms of, you know, leverage and, and, and counter moves and eye discipline and all those things, he's got it. He's got it. So am I going to sit here and tell you that Isaiah Foskey is the perfect prospect? No, of course not. There's no such thing as the perfect prospect. But will I tell you that Isaiah Foskey is somebody who I told you before was a possibility at 40 and it makes perfect sense that he went to the New Orleans Saints at 40? Yes, 100%. I'll keep telling you that. Uh, more so the latter part. And the other thing that I'll mention too, Isaiah Foskey had a wonderful time visiting with the New Orleans Saints head coaches when they went and visited him during his pro day and knew, knew and told us right away that he was telling everybody around him. And I've spoken to some people to confirm this. He was talking to everybody around him saying, I want to go to the New Orleans Saints. He was manifesting it. He was putting it out there. And you know what? He went out there and he became a New Orleans Saint. So I'll take that story as well, because that is pretty, pretty dope. So what's next for the New Orleans Saints? They addressed running back, they addressed defensive tackle, 
on Thursday. They address running back and edge rusher on uh, Friday. What about Saturday? 115. They got a pick in the fourth round. They got two picks in the fifth. They got two picks in the seventh. What's up next? We'll look at some of the positions that they can address and why they should be both active and aggressive when it comes to pursuing them. We got that, all that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked On Saints. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In today's episode, brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market, hands down. Bar, none, Built Bar. There's something in there. There are some bars in there somewhere. Somebody else write it so that I don't have to. Best tasting protein bars on the market. And they also have the incredible macros as well. 130 calories, four grams of sugar, but you're getting 17, 18 grams of protein and some incredible flavors on bars that are covered in 100% chocolate, but still are only four grams of sugar. I don't know how it is that Built Bar has done it. It's magic as far as I'm concerned, but I am very, very glad that they found a way to get it done. So make sure you go check them out. Built.com so you can see all the incredible flavors and other products as well. Or if you're near a Walmart pharmacy section, four bar boxes there some incredible flavors. If you got a Sam Club near you, you can head over there. 13 bar boxes of absolute bangers like uh, like churro as well as coconut brownie batter or, or brownie batter, excuse me. So go and check those out. Sam's Club, Walmart, and of course over at Built.com for the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar. Let's get it. Who that Nation wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints or tonight's episode of Locked on Saints. It's Brian Brzee in the first round, Isaiah Foskey in the second round, Kendra Miller, the running back out of TCU in the third round. By the way, we asked about Kendra Miller's medicals because he had that right knee injury that kept him out of the national championship game, kept him from doing all the athletics testing and stuff like that over the course of the offseason. He told us training camp, he expects to be ready during rookie minis as well as OTA is going to kind of do some like dynamic stuff off to the side, but not a lot, which is a smart thing to do. No need to push yourself in that area. Uh, and then Dennis Allen confirmed that they liked where he was medically, where he was in his rehab. They're not worried about it, but they'll take it easy during mini camps at OTAs because again, it's just not worth the risk in May. Uh, so where do the New Orleans Saints go next? And here's the, 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 the key too to all of those picks, the Saints original three picks were first three picks were at 29 at 40 and at 71 and they picked at 29 they picked at 40 and they picked again at 71 which is a bit surprising this is a team that trades up all the time i think it was since like 2012 they traded up every single year so when you look at where the saints are in position to you know go ahead and get themselves a guy that they like this is it and they've got the picks that they need to be able to do it. They sit in the fourth round at pick 115. They got a pair of picks in the fifth round as well. So that's a lot of trade fodder. You got a couple of seventh round selections at 227 and 257 that could allow you to move some things in. And you know what? They're also in line for a couple of fourth round compensatory picks, a sixth round compensatory pick next year, potentially. And so they have draft capital for next year that we know they've never been shy about moving. And we know for a fact that the New Orleans Saints did try to move up in the second day of the draft because, well, Dennis Allen told us so. <laughs> he said, we tried to move up, but it wasn't, they weren't able to get it done. So if they were going to move up, if they were going to kind of, you know, move around a little bit, what are some of the positions and spots that they might do that for? Well, the first one that comes to mind is still interior offensive line. Osiris Torrance took a little bit of a tumble going pretty much lower than way lower than we expected. We saw guys like Matthew Bergeron, who's going to be an interior guy. We saw guys like, um, 
like uh, uh, Steve Avila, who I really liked as well and thought could be an option for the Saints at 40. He went early. He went at 36 to the Los Angeles Rams. So there's some pretty good opportunities here for the Saints to still be able to get in on a little bit of action in terms of finding the right guys and, you know, finding their way into uh, this year's draft. And so, or, or, or the third day of this year's draft and making sure that they're able to find, you know, get the guys that they want. So in looking at that, um, offensive linemen that are still left on the board, Chandler Zavala out of NC State, somebody that I like a lot. Um, you've got guys like City So, who we talked about before, who's coming out of Eastern Michigan. Forgive me, I'm just like checking lists and stuff like that down here too. Um, City So, coming out of Eastern Michigan, small school guy, Canadian born, somebody that could be of interest in New Orleans Saints, big powerful blocker, fits the prototype, all that. Andrew Voorhees out of USC. You got the medicals that you have to be worried about. But look, you had medical questions about Brian Brzee. You had medical questions about Kendra Miller. They got those questions answered. So if they feel like they can get those questions answered about Andrew Voorhees, then maybe that's a route that they could go. But even that is a pick for 2024 more than it is a pick for 2023, which, hey, you're in the third day of the draft. You could take those types of risks. Jackson Kirkland out of Washington, who maybe like you would, you'd probably like a little bit more if he was a little bit more of a standout. He hasn't necessarily been that standout yet, but you know, we'll see where he goes. And then another guy that I want to draw your attention to, Nick Saldiaveri, uh, Nick Saldiaveri, sorry, uh, who is uh, out of Old Dominion, had a uh, 85.1 uh, pass blocking grade when it came to pro football focus, uh, allowed 16 hurries last year and two hits, but zero sacks on, uh, let's see, 455 uh, pass blocking snaps. So pretty solid stuff. And he's a tackle at ODU, but he's going to be a tackle to guard convert at the next level. So he's a move that makes sense. Six foot six, 318 pounds. So he's right where the Saints would like in terms of being a big bodied guy too. So I look at offensive line as absolutely a place that you can, um, that you can find what you're looking for, you know, that you can still find what you're looking for in the third day of the draft, right? You're not in a situation here to where you're reaching for somebody that doesn't make sense anymore, or you're just getting desperate and feel like you need to, uh, you know, address the position in one way or another. You're not there at all. And and just to, just real quick, I also want to mention when it comes to Nick Saldaveri, uh, you also have a 9.45 RAS score for those who keep track 5.22 speeds, a little bit slower than I think the Saints would usually like on their offensive line, but that's his 10-yard split was really good. His 20-yard split was really good. So I think you can kind of caveat that with a couple of those things. And he's explosive off the line as well. 31-inch um, vertical, 9-foot, 3-inch broad jump. Those are good numbers for an offensive lineman at his size. And I think you would like that type of push right off of your offensive line. I do think, too, that there were a couple of defensive backs that I really liked for the New Orleans Saints. Guys like DJ Turner, uh, guys like uh, Brian Branch, who fell for a while, tumbled actually quite a bit for a while. Uh, Quan Martin, Jartavius Martin, he wants to be called Quan though. So Quan Martin, who's over in um, Washington now. These are all guys that I really liked and that uh, you know are off the board now. And so I'm not really as in love with the rest of the cornerback class, particularly if you're trying to find a nickel corner. So good thing you've still got uh, Bradley Roby on contract. But what the Saints will do sometimes is that they'll look at some of these guys that aren't their prototypes. And when you think about the prototype at corner, you think in 5'11 or higher, somewhere around 200 pounds, 190 or above, all of that. And so I think that when you look at that, what the Saints will usually do is that they'll find those guys and then they'll grade them by a round. But they'll still grade 
the players that don't fit their prototype, what they'll do is that they'll give them a round grade and they'll give them what's called a 9-0 designation. That's what the Saints call it, as Mickey Loomis explained the other day. And so that 9-0 designation might be 2-9-0, which would mean that a player graded into the second round, but he's a 9-0 because he doesn't fit their prototype. And so they wouldn't, while they're a second round talent, they wouldn't value them with a second round pick because it doesn't fit their scheme. But that doesn't mean that later on in the draft that they might not go back to that guy and say, look, we've got a second round grade on this guy. He doesn't fit the scheme. There's not a ton of needs. So let's just go grab him because he's got the talent. So a name that I've never said on the show before because of the fact that he clearly does not fit the Saints prototypes, uh, Travius Hodges Tomlinson, the TCU cornerback, five foot eight, 178 pounds. This has been a draft of outliers. Look at how early Emmanuel Forbes went, Nolan Smith, how early Will McDonald went, how early Bryce Young went, one overall, all of that. This has been a draft of outliers. At that size, you can put at the slot, you can deal with somebody with that size and you can deploy them in a way that's really effective. Now that Marte Mapu's off the board, now that Quan Martin's off the board, this would be the guy that I would say, you know what? He's going to get pigeonholed as a slot guy, but that's okay. And you can go out and you can make that move knowing that you have everything else kind of covered and taken care of. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them maybe try to invest in corner, maybe try to invest in a safety that they can move down into the slot or that can play, you know, in a bunch of different places for you, or maybe like a Jason Taylor out of Oklahoma State. There's a lot of different ways that the Saints can go. So will the Saints move up in day three? I do think it's likely. I do think it's slightly because at this point now, you're like, oh, Keetrell, Keetrell Clark. Thank you so much. Yes, Keetrell Clark. Thank you, Eric Samples. Keetrell Clark out of Louisville would be great in the slot as well. So like the Saints are in a good position here to look at a linebacker, to look at an offensive guard, to look at a corner that can, that can operate in the slot or a safety that can operate in the slot. Maybe even look at some depth at tackle if you wanted to. Like they're in a good position. They have five picks here in day three and a ton of future draft capital. So I do expect the Saints to move up, move around all that. I think it'd be a little bit more of a bump up than a jump up as we've discussed before, but not having, you know, they've got one in the fourth, two in the fifth, none in the sixth, two in the seventh. So we'll see how it is that they go through all of that. So that's what I would expect to see going into um, you know, the rest of the draft here in day three. After day three, I'm going to come home, I'm going to get comfy, and then we're going to jump in and we're going to do another live stream. So make sure you're here for all the everydayers. Subscribe to the Locked On Saints podcast on YouTube, as well as, of course, on audio, wherever you catch it so that you never miss in episode. So I'll be right back with you tomorrow for all the everydayers out there. Thank you so much. Uh, sound off. Make sure you make sure I see you. Let me know uh, that you're that you're checking in every day. But I appreciate y'all so, so, so much for making Locked On Saints a part of your day, a part of your routine, for coming through at for live streams at one o'clock in the morning. This is incredible. What an incredible community. So thank you so much, everybody. I appreciate y'all so much making me a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. If you see me, as always, say hi. Don't forget, if you're going to be at the, the crawfish cook-off on Saturday at the Saints facility, I'll be at the Saints facility. So hit me up so I can come out and say hi. Appreciate y'all as always. And of course, if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.